All right, everybody, welcome back or welcome in for the first time to the Sons of Saturday. We got a jam-packed interview here, but first, as we begin every Sons of Saturday episode, we must start it off with a hokey haiku presented by the Main Street Pharmacy. And let me tell you a little bit about this pharmacy, okay? There's pharmacies all around the world. There's pharmacies all around this great nation of ours, but... The Main Street Pharmacy is the best pharmacy in all of Virginia, all of the New River Valley. Jeremy Counts, Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts, proud owner-operator of the Main Street Farm, cares about Virginia Tech. This, his friendly staff will greet you with a smile underneath their masks, but you can see it in their eyes. They will answer any questions that you may have about COVID-19. They have all of your COVID-19 necessities. And they got some cool things coming. So check out Jeremy Counts and check out the Main Street Pharmacy. Now, this haiku was submitted by none other. This was actually a, uh, a duo haiku submitted by Gene and Kevin Finn yesterday. Welcome, Coach Fuente, to the Sons of Saturday. We love our head coach. There it is. Snaps Snap claps. That. Snap claps. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So... Pat, you alluded to it. We got people who have been here before. Welcome back, if so. And we may have some first-time listeners. If so, welcome. We're fired up to have you. So happy that you're here. And we just want to give you a quick rundown of what's going on here. So, Pat Finn, formerly a Virginia resident, but currently residing in New Jersey. Former class president, former homecoming king, just all around, knows everybody kind of guy, loves the hoax. Billy Ray Mitchell. I pay rent in Atlanta, but I've been in New Jersey since St. Patrick's Day, so we don't talk about that right Sons now. Sons of sore subjects. Sore subjects. Not going to talk a little bit. Uh, not going to talk about that anymore. I was at Virginia Tech from 2014. Graduated in 2018. Uh, just a great experience. Two years under Fuente. Two years under Beamer. Uh, and again, I love Virginia Tech as well. And then let's zoom on over to the West Coast. Grayson, he's got on a bucket hat. He is in on the West Coast three hours before. He's a time traveler. Crazy stuff. Living in Hollywood, formerly in the con department, which, Grayson, tell us about their huge news. Big news out of, uh, out of Southwest Virginia yesterday. So Virginia Tech, the School of Communication and Digital Media just became official yesterday. For a long time, it was just the Virginia Tech con department. Bill Roth, the former voice of the Hope. His current professor at Virginia Tech tweeted it out. Big news, so I'm super proud of that. To anybody who had anything to do with that, I know all the blood, sweat, and tears and the hard work that was put into making the Virginia Tech School of Communication and Digital Media, so I'm so fired up. If you're currently a student there, I cannot begin to express how jealous I am. The Sons of Saturday, who are we? We are three alum who love Virginia Tech uh, and this originally started out as just a podcast covering the happenings of Virginia Tech football. Um, and these last few months, it shifted into speaking about Virginia Tech's athletic department as a whole. And then, you know what? We were like, what the heck? Let's cover all of the happenings coming out of Virginia Tech. There's so much positivity. There's so much great things going on that we can shine a light on uh, and really just wanted to do that. Um, if you want to learn more about us, we also came out with a website. It is only, I believe we're entering our third week of existence here. 
Um, again, just another uh, area where we brought on writers called the scribes, uh, either current students, former students, or people who care about the school to write about different angles of the school. So, um, you know, we've been doing a top 50 Hokie countdown, whether it be athletes, whether it be alumni, whether it be teachers or people surrounding the program, just shining a light on some of the really talented and important people to come out of Virginia Tech news surrounding the New River Valley and Blacksburg in general. Um, and we're having a ton of fun. We're super passionate about Virginia Tech and super passionate about athletics. And it's just really, really awesome to be doing this and have met some incredible folks along the way. So sonsofsaturday.com, give us a look, sign up for our newsletter. I work very hard in the newsletter. I would really appreciate if you guys would sign up um, all the way at the bottom of the page and to your email or you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Sons of Sat. DM us your email and we'll sign you up for you. And if you want to sign up your friends, go ahead and sign up your friends. But don't tell us you did that. Um, other than that, Grayson, what am I missing? So at the same place on our homepage, if you scroll down to the bottom, you will see where you sign up for the newsletter. You pop your, uh, pop your email address in there like Bill said. And then right above that is a beautiful picture of Billy Ray and I at the Rose Bowl. Pat, wish you could have been there, man. And it was us. We did a little photo shoot for our merch. But if you click on that picture, it will take you to our merchandise store where you can buy Sons of Saturday crewnecks, T-shirts, coffee mugs. What else we got, boys? We got hat. We got bucket hats. We got cold drinks waiting hats. We got trucker hats. Woo! We got it all. So go over there. Check it out. Uh, for a little while, COVID-19 caused some problems, but now we are all caught up. If you've ordered something, it is on the way to your house as we currently speak. So be sure to go and check that out. In addition to the merchandise, we have this, – this is a new development. As of this past week, we have brought on an intern from Michigan State named Nicholas McGow, who is going to help us produce some incredible video contentery, as Billy Ray would say. Right now, we're kind of in the beginning stages of developing a Virginia Tech season trailer. I don't know if you guys have seen anything like that in the past, but we are working on that and a few other things, so stay tuned for that. Let us know what you guys think of the podcast. Uh, be sure to rate and subscribe. We've had some great episodes in the past. Uh, COVID has really enabled us to spend a lot of time at home and uh, spend a lot of time podcasting, quite frankly. And we did a really good one with John Yetzi back in February. I uh, had Coach Christian Webster from the basketball program on a couple months ago. Coach Young came on. He was fantastic. And also, we got some good stuff coming, uh, coming down the pipe. Billy, who's coming up? So, breaking news. We are bringing on David Wilson. Yes, backflip inject the backflips david wilson will be coming on to talk football and his musical career that he has been pursuing we are really really excited about that this wednesday we will be releasing our episode with daniel Militich, our recruit from germany which is going to be fantastic he was awesome um it was great to sit down with him and i kind of chalked it up to i don't know if i'm ever going to talk to this guy but uh we were able to get in touch and put together a great episode which was a ton of fun um but coming up after this uh, Coach Fuente, a really, really good friend. Uh, can't thank him enough for his time this afternoon. It was a ton of fun getting to speak with him and talk about everything going on in the program. So, last shout out The 555 is this awesome band that has a couple Hokies in the band, and 
They play the intro song. It's called The Edge. They play the outro song. It's called Summer Song. Go check them out. The 555. With that said, play the hits, Colin. everybody happy sunday yesterday was saturday but today is sunday and we are back with the sons of saturday today we have a very 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 special guest and we are extremely excited to welcome onto the sons of saturday coach justin fuente your virginia tech head coach you know him pretty well but here's the uh, here's the brief background coach Fu played at oklahoma played at murray state uh, his coaching career has taken him to Illinois State, TCU, Memphis, and now Virginia Tech, uh, where he started in 2016 and led the Hokies to the ACC Championship and also won ACC Coach of the Year honors. 2020 will be season number five. And Coach, we're super excited to have you. Welcome to the Sons of Saturday. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Happy late birthday. Yeah, yeah happy belated. Birthday? Happy belated. How was yeah, your birthday? It was awesome. 44 years young. Uh, girls, you know, my young girls are still young enough to make presents. So I got some of that stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> we just kind of hung out, had ice cream cake, which I think is a great invention. Absolutely. Um, ice cream <laughs> and cake together. Um, so I had a great day here at the house, hanging out. It was fun. That's great. So we'll, we'll kick things off here. Current events. I mean, first and foremost, obviously we're in some, some different times. How have you guys been holding up over the last, I guess, five months now? Well, it's certainly been an interesting journey. Um, you know, I, I would say it's probably hardest on our young people. You know, I see it in my own home. You know, I've got a daughter that's in that's junior high age. I've got two, two other girls that are elementary school age. And not being at school and not being around their friends and not having that interaction, that everyday school, I think has been hard on them. It's certainly been hard on our players. You know, we, we preach unity and togetherness and um, doing things together. And, and all of a sudden now we're telling them stay away from each other. You know, it's just, it's really an odd time, obviously. I think our crew has handled it really well. Um, you know, we tried to as we went through the months, never knowing when it was going to end, if or when we were going to get to come back together, obviously it's still not over with, and there's still some uncertainty about the season, but, you know, we tried our best to stay positive for our young guys um, as they were back, back home. Some guys stayed here in Blacksburg, but, you know, we tried to really preach to them that you can either, um, you know, go through this or grow through this. You know, we can either use it to our advantage. You know, we, um, you know, tried to stay upbeat and positive. And I think our guys did a great job. You know, I was really proud of them. Just, it seemed like we, we kept trying to find ways to create community from far off, whether it was sharing our workouts together or, or sharing, sharing videos of that or tagging each other in workouts. And then, you know, then the NCAA said that we couldn't be involved in that. And the kids kind of continued to do it, which I thought was cool. We, we started a book club. Um, you know, we just, uh, we tried everything we could to keep guys together, you know, from a distance. And I think our guys handled it really well. When I look at them now, they're, they're, they're anxious and happy and they're in probably much better shape than I could have hoped in terms of 
returning from, from their own homes for three months or however long it was. So it's been difficult and, and we're not out of the woods. We know that. I mean, there's, there's going to be difficulties down the road in this handling this situation and all that's come with it. And we've just got to keep kind of putting one foot in front of each of uh, the other and taking it one step at a time. On that note. Uh, so you were actually able to get through um, most of the Colorado's uh, before everybody went away to spring break. So, you know, obviously it's easy to talk about the challenges and some of the disadvantages that everyone in college football is going to be dealing with due to the impact of coronavirus. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned a book club and you mentioned togetherness. And to be quite honest, during these months, most of y'all are on the road recruiting and you don't get to spend a lot of face time with the players. From what I understand, you've been able probably to spend more time with the players, even though virtually you're talking to them, having meetings more so. So I'm curious what positives came out of this, uh, of this and just the way that you have been doing things now? Well, the first thing I would say is I think we have a much greater appreciation for how much we genuinely enjoy each other, how much we enjoy the process, how much we enjoy going to school, socializing. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, such an odd dynamic that's at play there. I, I think that um, I just envision this great celebration when we can all actually come together again. And I think we'll all appreciate it uh, much more. I saw some leadership develop from guys in pockets, you know, like the, as much as our guys were separated, there still were pockets of guys that were, they either lived close to each other or like I said, they stayed here. I think there was a real bonding experience there and some ownership taken um, amongst our guys to kind of help pu push those things forward. Um, you know, trying to look at the, the the best that we can, the bright side of, of what we're what we're dealing with, uh, you know, and it's forced us to think outside the box. You know, I, we are such creatures of, well, I say creatures of habit, but we're we're into regiment, right? We're into schedule, and think well. Now you're sitting there, all that's been thrown out the window. You know, your your schedule. I struggled with it personally, but then after a couple of weeks, I got into my own routine what I was going to do. And I tried to encourage our kids to do the same thing. But um, now that we're back together, there's still an odd sense of regiment about it. You know, there's so many other checks and balances and things that we've got to do to try to ensure safety that um, I think it's forced us to think outside the box in terms of how we actually do things. Um, you know, hopefully when this, when this thing's all over, we have some better practices for either how we work, you know, considering me and the staff and what we can accomplish um, when we're not face to face and also, um, you know, maybe some, some health and safety benefits can come of this thing. I really like what we've been able to do with our kids in terms of leading up into, into hopefully fall camp is we've got, we've got them for 20 hours right now, six hours of walkthrough, six hours of meetings, eight hours of, of, of running and lifting. And those have been good things that have come out of this. In terms of one of my favorites, Tweety Petey. Tweety Petey is one of Virginia Tech's, Favorite and hottest topics. So he's, a, he's, a, he's a treasure. He's definitely a treasure. He put out one of his greatest hits this past week of you and Coach Hilgart rocking the face shields. So a little bit of a dual-parted question here. Where can one get the grip face shields? And also, what other precautions are being taken to protect both players and coaches throughout what's going to happen here in the future? Yeah. And uh, I know there's a lot of debate about face shields and masks and, and all that sort of stuff. But essentially, we are masked up. Um, in the in the office, 
you know, most of our walkthrough and practice is considered to be outside. We still wear our shields during those times, but we are masked up when we're inside um, in the office. You can imagine the cleaning that's going on in terms of not just hand sanitizers everywhere. I mean, they're like growing in the building everywhere you turn around. There's, a, there's another one, but how we handle our meeting rooms in terms of spacing, in terms of cleaning, you know, we're also dealing with a little bit of, of an issue with where we've got a lot of construction going on too, which is limited. Um, some of our, our space. We've had to kind of work our way around that. How we eat our meals has changed. You know, we've always wanted to be tight, close together. Now we're not. We're, we're, we've got people spread out. We had one in-person team meeting and we had it in the basketball arena uh, just to get everybody spread out. Uh, we haven't had another one. You know, we'll have to, to handle those issues and spacing and all that sort of stuff. So obviously testing, um, you know, and trying to continue to educate our, our kids on, on the importance. But, you know, the thing that I worry about with our kids is their kids, and we only have them for a couple hours a day. You know, there's a whole lot of the rest of the day that, that we've got to try and get across to them the importance of, of maintaining these same standards when they're not with us. In terms of where to get the mask, that is just a generic mask with a sticker on it. So we have uh, the, the face, I shouldn't say mask, face shield. With a with a grit sticker, uh, kind of put on top. So uh, we tried to style it out a little bit. So uh, let's chat about the 2019 season uh, for a little bit here. That was definitely one of my favorite seasons, and I've been going to games for 20 years. And probably the the upper echelon of uh, best memory last year was this Carolina game, and uh, also the back to back shutouts. But those were some of the highs. It definitely had some lows as well, and. Probably the biggest crossroads moment last season was late September. Duke comes to lane and, you know, beats us by five touchdowns. And after this, we go out, we win six of seven in this unparalleled turnaround. From the moment you guys left the field that night to the team meeting and the practices to follow, what was the vibe of the team and the staff that kind of pulled it together and helped shape and change the season? Well, I, uh, the vibe was pretty low, needless to say. I mean, we, we walked out of there with our, our tails tucked between our legs after having just been embarrassed um, in our home stadium. And, you know, as a head coach, I know obviously the next day in the office, the assistant coaches are going to be looking at me to see how I respond or react to that situation. I know the, the uh, team is going to do the same thing. I know it's easy to go the wrong way after a, incredible disappointment like that and you know I just you know I came home and I thought about what I'd seen I watched the film over and over again and I was just sick to my stomach at what I saw and you know when you see on film is either what you coach or what you choose to accept and um, I had accepted you know or I was having to accept what I saw and I believe that was a soft football team, and that's my responsibility. If there's anything I've ever been good at, it's not having a soft football team. And through many reasons that are of my own fault, you know, I had allowed us um, to 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 slide into being soft, and um, there was nobody to blame but myself. And I started to cra- about crafting the message of how I was going to deliver that message to the kids and. So I, I told the, I had basically the same meeting with the staff as I had with, 
with the players and just I said, listen, here, you know, we, we were um, physically soft, mentally soft, and emotionally soft. And, um, and here's the examples of it. And I, and I showed plays from the game uh, to both the staff and, and to the team. And I said, that is my fault. Like, it, it, I could, I've allowed us you know, to, to be an a, a emotionally and physically and mentally soft football team. And that's unacceptable. I can't live with that. I can live with a lot of things, but I, I can't live with that. And I'm, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to stop um, altering my style or who I am. And I'm going to go about what got me here and what's helped us have success is that um, we were never maybe the, in all my stops, never maybe the most talented or the, or we certainly had talent or um, scheme or all that kind of stuff, but we were a tough, hard-nosed, disciplined football team, and that's and that's not what we were. So, I told him if you if you want to come come with me to go fix it, it's you know I'm going to tell the, the media the same thing, just so you guys know. But there's nobody to blame but myself. And if you want to come with me to go fix it, then we're going right out on the field today to begin our march towards uh, getting it fixed. And there were a lot of other things that helped us play better. Hen and Hooker. And Quincy Patterson are two of them. Um, you know, other people stepped up as well. Obviously, the quarterback position gets a lot of a lot of credit. But um, you know, from that moment on, I quit worrying about everything else because I knew one thing: I wasn't going to watch that anymore. Like I, we weren't going to be a part of that. So uh, we were going to put that behind us and and go coach and act and hopefully play the way we should play. You know, Coach, it reminded me so much of, um, of 2016. And each football season is a story in its, of itself. And you're going to have a crossroads, whether that comes in spring ball, whether that comes in summer practice or midway through the season. But in 2016, you can't tell that story without the Tennessee game at Bristol. And, you know, I get to talking with folks back on that team all the time. And the common denominator that we always come to is if we – if the Tennessee game doesn't go the way that it does – that's not a lesson that the team learns. And that team is probably not as good as it ended up being without that experience. Um, and did you see any kind of parallel there or, no, or notice a similarity between those two games? Oh, I, th I think so. You know, the 2016 game at, at Tennessee, I was, I was so disappointed because on a lot of levels, um, I felt like we were, a, of course, I was still trying to learn the team, but I felt like we were an older, more mature football team. And we didn't play like that in the game. I felt like we were shocked that we were up 14 to nothing or whatever the score was there early. And I then, remember. Yep. And then we, we took way too many penalties on the on the defensive side of the ball. We turned the ball over way too many times on the offensive side of the ball. Lost our composure and really played poor football. And um, it kind of shocked me because I didn't think that's who we were, you know. And um, But, yeah, I mean, I felt like after that Sunday, after that game, and our practice and how we tried to address it. And I, I, the credit goes to the football team and the acknowledgement of that and dedication or rededication of themselves moving forward um, certainly was a learning experience. What you'd like to have is a learning experience that you still win the game. Like those are the best ones, right? You, 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 you learn something about yourself and you diagnose the issues. That's why everybody gets caught up in win or loss, win or, win or loss but yeah, that, and I understand that part of it, but there's lessons to be learned in wins, and we shouldn't let just the end result uh, determine what we teach about the event that happened. And, um, you know, those were two 
losses that I think helped grow the team and move them forward as the season went along. Well, then let's look at the flip side. Teachable moments and moments where you're learning. We go to Miami Gardens. I mean, everybody's about as negative as you could be. Everybody's saying how much we're going to lose by. Everybody's talking about how it's a disaster situation. You go on in there, lay a beat down, get a little nervous at the end, but North Carolina was another one that was just incredible. I was there. It was fantastic. And it was the birth of Fired Up Foo, the locker room, getting in there, backwards hat, Dasani water all over the place. What is the elation? What is the feeling of that? Walking into the locker room after that, walking into the meeting on Monday, uh, just how is, what are the teachable moments that come from that? And what is the emotions going into there? Well, I can tell you the emotions in the Miami locker room were like none I've ever experienced personally. I mean, just from what we've been through to, you know, taking a young squad in there. I mean, I'm sitting there in pregame in the coach's locker room looking across the locker room, and there's – I mean, we are six inches from the Miami locker room, and, and they are playing music. It, it's like a dance club in there. I mean, it is so loud. You can hear it all the way through our walls, you know, and they've got all this intimidation and all this stuff. And um, and I'm sitting there, and I look across the, the hallway, and we're starting two true freshman offensive linemen. And there's Brian Hudson sitting in his locker, about to go block some real guys on the defensive line. He's playing center, of which he's never played before any time in his high school career. And I'm thinking, okay, what's Brian look like? And for, for 40 minutes, Brian sat, sat across from me in his, in his locker, just like taping his fingers, getting his stuff ready, sitting there as stoic as, as can be, like totally unfazed by what was going on and went out there and played his tail off. And when I saw him over there, I felt a lot better. You know, I thought this, this is a guy, we got a group here that, that's got a chance to be special. But I don't know, I just kind of let loose in there. I just remember in the locker room, like, everybody was jumping up and down and like for some reason there was like an ice bucket or a, a big trough in front of me. And somehow there were like those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and they ended up in my hands and just like, I don't know. I was just happy and relieved and excited and, and proud of our guys, um, you know, to, to pull it off because, you know, it started off so, so great. And then they came back on us and then there was some drama at the end. And then finally to say we won, we did it. Um, you know, was, was a pretty good feeling. So, Coach, you just mentioned Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson's importance from last season. And Hendon Hooker stepped into the starting quarterback position in that Miami game. What changes did you and Coach Cornelson need to make to the playbook to cater to his skill set? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we, we ran him a little bit more on just specific quarterback runs. You know, the quarterback sweep has been a good play for us. And um, it's something that, that I've been wanting to do for a long time. It's just um, – it's not really fit who we were back there in some time. So, um, you know, that was, a, that was a big play, particularly early in the game. And uh, so we, we just tweaked it a little bit. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with Hinden's ability to uh, – you know, he understands everything that we're doing. It's just, you know, we need to take a few of these plays and, and give him a chance to play to his strengths and and play away from some things, especially early, that that he may not be as comfortable with. But he made a lot of plays throwing the ball in that game. You know, you think about the, the wheel route to James Mitchell on that big drive. Obviously, the tight end 
tight ends were big and on the throwback in the naked game, but you know, he threw a big fade down the far sidelines. You know, he made some big plays throwing the football. So naturally, Bill, Pat, and myself, we look forward to watching the 2020 season play out. But first, let's rewind quickly to some of the happenings this offseason. First off, I mean, you've been in Blacksburg since the fall of 2015. That's technically when you arrived. Now that five years has passed, nearly every player, minus uh, minus Terrell Juice. Smith, I think, <laughs> minus, minus Juice, Nearly every player on this roster has been recruited by you and your staff. I mean, how special is it for you to go into work every single day and coach these young men? Well, I've always, you know, and, Ter- and Terrell will keep around here as long as he wants to stay, too. I mean, however many more years of eligibility he can get, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll take him. So, um, he, might be, he might be out of appeals by now, but we love having uh, Terrell around here. But – you know, and I've always tried to, to, to treat them all like, like they were my own in terms of who recruited them or who didn't recruit them. Like, who cares? Let's go. But I'm really excited about the chemistry and what we've got in our locker room right now. And we got a group of guys. We're finally an older football team, first of all. I mean, we were an older football team in 2016. In 2017, we were an old football team on one side of the ball. Um, and then in 18, you know, we were young everywhere. So we finally kind of made it through that, that youth movement that we knew was coming. Like, I mean, I sat there and looked at the roster and met with Witt after my first two years and said, listen, this is what's coming. Like, you got to understand, I'm looking at this, and, you know, this is going to be some bumps in the road. You know, you didn't hire me for the last two years. You hired me to get you through, get us through what, what's coming up. And uh, we have made it through that, and now – you know, we're kind of all sitting here with our swords drawn, ready to go. And obviously, it's kind of hit pause and there's some uncertainty in the air. But, um, you know, I, I like the makeup of our, our team. I like the chemistry of our team. Our, it is kind of odd because our team enjoys each other. And, and, you know, it's a little bit difficult for them to spend a lot of time together right now because of the way things are. And speaking on that offseason – you know, the coaching surf, uh, search, legendary defensive coordinator Bud Foster decides, hey, I'm going to the lake. That was your hug buddy after big time wins uh, and was great for the transition. But as you look to fill his role and the other openings and quite honestly, for the first time, put together a staff sourced by you, what characteristics and personalities were you looking for in potential candidates for these opening spots? Well, to say that uh... – to say that it was a large task would be an understatement. I mean, it's more than just the coordinator role. That's, that's the part. Like, a staff is a puzzle that you've got to put together, and you've got to, you've got to be able to put it together. If, 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 one piece, if you can't get one piece, then the other pieces may not fit. So I viewed this, you know, from a, a big perspective. I knew, I knew what I was going to go do in terms of um, – you know, some changes we were going to make. We made some changes, and I wanted to get the puzzle pieces to fit together, and that's exactly what's happened. I could not be more excited about that. So, you know, we talked to – I didn't offer the job, but to one person. Um, now, we did a thorough vetting process, and I'll tell you, Jerry Keel, of all the things that people don't know what Jerry did or didn't do, the, the biggest thing he helped is us vet people for our coaches' search. That's, that's probably the, the biggest contribution 
uh, other than a couple thing meetings that he and I had talking about, um, you know, what he thought I should be doing to help help the football team. That, that's the two biggest things, and um, really helped us. You know, made a bunch of phone calls that I couldn't make in the middle of the year and that sort of stuff to to figure all this out. So uh, we talked to a bunch of people. Jerry talked to a bunch of people. Basically, I came down to this is, is I felt like I was going to be able to put the whole thing together. If you're going to go with Justin Hamilton, then you have to have somebody that's been down the road many, many times. Um, you have to have somebody else in there that's not hung up on title, that's not hung up on ego, but that has been down that road, and that's Tracy Clay's. I mean, it had to work that way. We could fit, we could move the other pieces around. And Tracy's been, Tracy's not in the limelight. He's, he's not outlandish. He's, but I'm going to tell you, the brilliant football coach. And uh, to be able to bring both of those guys in and, and kind of lay it out that way so that Justin could do what Justin wanted to do and communicate it how he wanted to communicate, it, but also have somebody that with all those years of experience there that was not interested in taking his job or, uh, cutting his, you know, was all in it for the team. Tracy wants to coach with good people right now. He's been through enough in his career. He wants to coach with good people. And then start to build it from there, I started to get really excited. You get uh, Daryl Tapp back, my gosh, unbelievable human being, first and foremost. Bill Tierlink wants to come, join the crew. Um, and then and then we get Smitty in here as a young coach who the, the sky is the limit for, for this young guy. So, we all kind of fit it all together, and I'm pretty excited to see how it works out. So I, I can see this. You are fired up right now. So let's, let's dive a little deeper about some of these other uh, puzzle pieces that have been put in. Most recently, you know, a week or so ago, bring in Corey Fuller, bring in Jaron Gavea Winslow to help bolster this recruiting staff, and they're two former players. We've had John Yetzi on the podcast uh, back in February, and it seems like him and Mark uh, Dyethorn have really been wearing multiple hats for a very long time. And what does adding these two to this staff really mean for this recruiting department? Well, I mean, I would touch on that on several levels. First of all, those, that's our 12th and 13th Virginia Tech graduate that we have working with our program, if you include academics. And um, I don't know if anybody else can say that. And you know, I'm not hiring them just because they went to Virginia Tech. What I am hiring them for is they love Virginia Tech and they're not afraid to work. You know, these aren't guys that have sat around and, um, you know, lobbied for positions. These are guys that went out and took jobs, sometimes at places that you've never heard of. You know, you know, Justin Hamilton is back at Virginia Tech as a defensive coordinator, and he's worked at a bunch of places that are really hard to win. Daryl Tapp did the same thing. You think about – uh, Corey and Jaron and what they've been in their road. Um, I think they're great additions and we're not done adding and we've got to continue to add and we will and Witt knows that and we're working hand in glove together. Charlie Flieger is helping us from, from on campus to, to continue to raise more money so that we can expand our staff and, and, and catch up because you know, we are behind, but we're, we, we know that and we're actively working to do that. And the, the, the issue is dissemination of information. So, you know, with computers and your cell phone and all that sort of stuff, I mean, you have every, literally every high school player in America, his film is at your fingertips. Well, I mean, we're not going to go to sign 20 guys out of Washington State, okay? But, you know, we do have a chance to both 
evaluate and then ultimately find out if there are kids out there that are inter genuinely interested in Virginia Tech. Well, we can't, we can't disseminate that information. And the other hand is you have a home game and you have 150 families on campus and want to see us play what would have been Penn State this year. No, we've got to host these people. So much of recruiting is done on campus and we need help. So anyway, Whit, when Whit knows all this and is doing a, a great job helping us um, fill these things out, these are just two more pieces of the puzzle. We've got several more that, that we'll hire. Um, obviously with COVID, we're, we're still working through some of that stuff, but we've got a plan in place now to get these guys some help so that we can do a great job. So let's talk hashtag VA2VT for a second, Coach. Hires like Jaron Gavale Winslow from Ashburn, Virginia, and, and Smitty, Ryan Smith from King George, Virginia, and Coach D. Tapp from Portsmouth on staff. This adds three prominent figures from the Commonwealth. So how do you view the upcoming talent around the Commonwealth of Virginia and its importance to the future success of the program? Sure. Well, I think it's, it's, it's incredibly important. I mean, we have – I think it's 43% of our roster is from Virginia, okay, which is the most in Power Five if you take away Florida, Texas, and California, huge states. I mean, it's a huge part of our program. I mean, you know, except for last year when we had a really small class and it was a little bit of a down year. I mean, we're, we signed six or seven kids every year at the state of Virginia. I think the 22 class in Virginia is going to be fantastic. I really do. And I think we've got the staff – to capitalize on that with the people you just mentioned, their relationships, and most importantly, their desire to work really hard. Because you can be from Virginia and not recruit anybody. you got to be ready to work. And uh, I think with, with, the, with the staff we've brought in, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to, to really do a good job. I'm, I mean, I'm really excited about what we can do in this, in this state, about the talent that's coming through in 22. Who knows what it's going to look like with – ball in the spring and all that sort of stuff but you know just talking about it in a vacuum I'm, I'm really excited about the direction and what we've addressed like if you can't see that it's been addressed you're just blind I mean that's exactly what we're doing um, and how we're going about doing it in order to continue to improve I know you already mentioned this but I definitely want to double down on this for the peanut gallery just so we can nip this in the bud you know the we don't care about recruiting Virginia crowd uh, you just you just said 13 folks on the staff and you can check my math here but Jay Ham, Jack Tyler, Pearson Prelo, Daryl Tapp, Kyle Chung, Matt Herman, Yetzi and Marky D, Corey and Jaron, Coach Schumann in the weight room and then a couple folks in academic support Sarah and Carrie Lynn you got Corey and Jaron Gravea Winslow coming back to not do the glamorous stuff yeah I mean and like you said, like these guys signed on to, to do tough, tough work. I mean, they're going to have to roll their sleeves up and, and go to work. And, you know, the other thing I'll say to, to add on to this is, and I don't think it gets talked about enough, and maybe it does, and I just don't know. That could happen too, you know. But if you really look at really the most productive players in the state of Virginia, where they've come from, it's been the evaluation kids. You know, it's been the kids, yep. you know, ranked whatever it is, six through 15 or whatever. Those are the kids that have really um, have really had productive careers. And that's not to say that one through five can't, you know, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. There's exceptions to every rule. But, you know, you can really find some really good football players. They go on to good college careers and, and have opportunities to play in the NFL. 
um, you know, outside of the, the, the top couple. And, and we can go back and forth on how they're evaluated and all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to tell you this, I'm never going to let somebody else evaluate the players for us. You know, we're going to do that. And uh, I think you can really, really do some damage and really help your football team do, your da- do some damage in a good way and help your football team um, by doing a great job evaluating those kids in Virginia because there's some really good football players that don't get as much as recognition as some others. Well, then, that's a great transition there. I want to talk about this 2020 class. There are so many folks outside the program that give their 10 cents about this class. You are the, you are the coach that recruited them. You're the coach that analyzed them, and now you're getting to watch them practice. You're getting to watch them out on the field. What have you seen, and how have they fit in to the program since they've arrived on campus? Uh, I'm just telling you, um, just evaluate them here in a couple of years. I'm, I've only seen them go through walkthrough. I've seen them – do some running, and we've got length, we've got speed. Um, you know, the, the guys that if they'll continue to work hard and continue to stay the course, they're going to have a chance to be a very productive small class. I mean, there's a reason there's not very many of them is we didn't have very many scholarships. But um, I've been really excited and pleased with not just their talent level from what I've seen, and obviously we haven't even practiced yet, but um, – but, but the way they're, they handle themselves, the way they, way they work, um, you know, their, their, their curiosity to learn and, and to try to get better, I think, I think they've got a chance to be really, really good. And, uh, you know, one of those deals that really helps this program moving forward. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about these, these legendary Colorado workouts as, you know, we did do them earlier. Um, and I just was thinking about it and I was thinking, how can I ask about this? What can I, what can I say about it? And the, the one thing that stuck out in my mind is I remember when you had first came in and we had our first meeting with coach, uh, with coach vice and he comes in, everybody's sitting down, we got our binders and he puts on the film uh, and it's not a practice. It's not of the team that we're playing week one. It is a ice covered Memphis tigers practice field and players running out there with, with cleats on five o'clock in the morning. It's dark out. And, uh, and he goes, Hey guys, look, look, this is the expectation. This is what we're going to have to do. I hope you guys have been running in the off season because this is what's happening. It may not be this cold, but here's a little taste of what's going to happen. And they're, and they're going through this workout and ice covered. I mean, I've seen Disney on ice. This was nothing like that at all, but I always, the way that you addressed it was so perfect. And you said, it's not me versus you. It's not me trying to punish you. It's you versus the drill and you versus the expectation. So can you just kind of, for people that don't know or haven't done it before, what does Colorado workouts mean to developing a team and how much do you learn about your team in those workouts? Well, I, I guess, first of all, it, it's great for me. First of all, I, I, I like running them. So I come back off the road on Fridays and run what we used to call afternoon Colorado. Our, our, our schedules have changed. And that's basically three groups. The team, the, the team's divided into three groups and I run each, each group. And first of all, it gives me a chance to go be around the team, okay? Like, I get to coach the football team, and I, I really enjoy this. I didn't become a head coach to go sit up in the, in the top and, and have a blowhorn and do that. I, I enjoy young people and trying to help make them be the best that they can be. But that's what I always tell them, Billy Ray, is like, this is not me versus you. This is us versus the drill. Now, I set the expectation level of what it's supposed to look like, and it's up to us to meet it every single time. And the thing that I enjoyed the most is I have seen 
because the drills don't change, I have seen everything from a team that won four games to a team that won 13 games and went undefeated and finished number two in the country to a team that, you know, won 10 games to a team that that's won a coastal division championship. I have seen what it looks like from teams all over the spectrum of how their season went. So I have some perspective on what it should look like and, and what it should sound like and how the guys should act and, and that sort of stuff. And uh, I just, because it stayed the same, it gives me some, some, a measuring stick. I really believe it's part of our culture and part of what we do. And, Absolutely. you know, we've worked it into hard hat points now. So uh, it, it counts for, for guys, hard hat points and, and how they do things. We actually have makeup ones now because, you know, just to make sure that we're getting that work in, that everybody's getting the same amount of work. Um, I just think it's a big part of the fabric of, of what we do. And I'll never forget the one you're talking about in Memphis. Maybe the most proud I've ever been because we walked out there. There's a thin sheet of ice. We had no indoor. And, and you could hear the, the Heather cleats on, and it would puncture the ice every time they stepped. So they could still run. And the guys never said a word. We just walked out there, blew the whistle. We started. We knocked it out, and we went home. It was like they didn't even – they didn't even care that they're, I'm sure they did care, but they didn't say anything. They knew we were going to go do it. So um, I was just kind of part of, of who we are and, you know, whether it's, you know, a hurricane game or whether it's cold outside or whatever it is, it's up to, they're not changing the game. So it's up to us to meet the expectation. And that's not just for Colorado's that's, and, and, and it's, it's something that's really, I've always respected and the, and the players have always respected is, Hey, if practice isn't up to par, starting practice over. If meetings aren't up to par, we're starting meetings over. If the way that we break our meetings and run into our other meetings is not up to par, we're doing it again. It's never just punishing for no reason or doing something to be a jerk. It's here's the expectation. Here's how it works or how it's going to work while I'm here. And that expectation needs to be met. Yeah. And I think, I think what I have gotten better at, you know, is like explaining it, you know, like I, I just, I don't think kids are different now than they used to be, but I do think they want to know why more. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. You know, like they, they probably have more information at their fingertip than any, at any time in the history of the world. I mean, they do. Um, so that, you know, they have more information, not all of it's good, but they have, they have more information. So they want to know why more. And what I've tried to do over the last couple of years is do a better job of diving into you know, let's try to explain to guys exactly why we're, why we're doing these things instead of just telling them to do it so that they have a better understanding of the big picture because I think young people want to know why more. So that leads us into this next kind of section here that I just dubbed coaching philosophy. And you can use that one. Um, everyone knows that talent and coaching are obviously very paramount in building an elite program. But facilities and other resources are also, you know, crucially important as well. And we've seen pictures on social media of the new strength facility improvements. You just mentioned the, uh, the importance of the recruiting staff additions. And you said we might get some more guys there as well. As we look into some areas that we can improve, what is next? And what would you say is priority A? Well, as you mentioned, I mean, we're in the middle of building a brand new dorm, a brand new uh dining facility, new weight room, new meeting rooms. The next to come up when we get our space back allocated will be our brand new players lounge. You know, I, I gave very clear instructions. I said, I just, I want it to look like Dave and Buster's. 
I want our kids to have a place to go hang out and play games and relax. This was all pre-COVID, obviously, but um, and that's still we've got the money raised for that, so that will happen. We just have a little bit of a space issue right now in terms of the construction's not finished. Plus, we need more space because of COVID and so on and so forth. So that'll happen. We'll continue to add um, uh, personnel in, in both recruiting and in off-the-field coaching roles. Um, we're looking at adding a player development role uh, solely for our, our football team, which I think is really incredibly important. From a facility standpoint, we'll work in the long term. We'll work back downstairs with the cold tubs and the, and the warm tubs through the locker room and the training room facility. That'll be the next thing. Um, that we'll have to do on down the road. But uh, in the short term, we'll turn right towards the, the players' lounge as soon as these things get finished up and, and get that taken care of. And, uh, you know, we, we can never stop. And our, our administration knows that and um, knows that, that we, we can't rest and kick our feet up and, and say we've made it. We cannot stop. We've got to keep doing it. And I say that all with the guys of this. I, I want us to I, – I, I'm not looking for – waterfalls in the locker room. Okay. What I'm looking for is I want us to be the best developmental program in America. I want moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and players to come on and understand that we are devoting our resources to their development, their development in, in four areas of their life, their academic development, their social development, uh, their, did I say academic or athletic first? I can't remember. Their academic development, their athletic development, their social development, and their spiritual development. I want us to pour our resources into that. And, you know, that comes in the form of weight room, that comes in the form of nutrition, that comes in the form of academic services, it comes in the form of our FCA chaplain, it comes in the form of, um, you know, student development, preparing them for the real world, community service, so on and so forth. So um, I think we've got a clear mission on what we want to accomplish and how we want to get there. Um, we've just got to do some of the heavy lifting. Resources is important for development. And speaking of resources, on this podcast, I love Plug and Join the Hooky Club. If I was a first-time listener to the Sons of Saturday and I have not joined the Hokie Club yet, why should I? Well, it's the single most important thing that you can do for Virginia Tech Athletics, regardless of giving capacity. So very simply put, um, no matter what your, your giving capacity is, Signing up for the minimum amount, whatever that is, for the Hokie Club um, begins a giving pattern. And we have to grow our donor base. You know, we, we have to continue to grow that. And it starts as students, and they're doing some things to help, help kind of bring that apart. apart. Um, and, and continues as those students obviously go out and get jobs and, and earn monies and have family and all that sort of stuff. But it's in, in terms of our, our giving numbers, it, it, it really – fascinates me quite honestly that that we have a a, a school that 99 percent of the graduates of virginia tech say they would go there again I mean, we have one of the highest satisfaction rates in all of america in terms of kids going to school and the experience that they have you know that's part of the selling point of virginia tech in recruiting i mean inner sandman's unbelievable but that's six days out of the year Okay, there's 359 other days that are unbelievable here at Virginia Tech. And um, it blows my mind that, that our giving percentage is not higher. Okay? And we need to do, we actively need to seek to improve that giving percentage. 
for all these people that had a wonderful experience while they're at Virginia Tech. And for that, I just got to plug the recent graduate program. It's, it's kind of a new program that the Hokie Club is rolling out. And essentially what that means is that if you graduated within the last four years, your dollar value essentially goes twice as far in point value on the Hokie Club side. So go to hokieclub.com, check out the recent graduate program, especially if you've graduated the last four years. And uh, I promise you will find value in that. Coach, as, we, as we're diving into your philosophy here as pat as pat has said we talked about the conversations that you have to have the difficult conversations you have to have after a duke game or a tennessee game and the exciting conversations you have to have after a miami game or a north carolina game from last year i want to ask you about another angle of your job and uh, it goes along with current events so you mentioned that and it's noted in your new offers the the offer graphic that's come out that's awesome by the way that you are here committed to developing the player as a student and an individual and as a and as a player sorry i butchered that a little bit i'm curious as to how you handle conversations with players like isaiah ford with players like dalton Keene, and most recently players like caleb farley where they need to make a decision based upon their future and that future not being on the team uh, moving forward. How do you go into those conversations and what do you try to act as, as you guide them through these decisions? Sure. Um, well, I, and, and I feel like my, my track record um, speaks for itself with these guys because in my time here, we've had several that have, that have gone out. And I, I tell them this, like plain and simple, my, my responsibility is to them. Okay. It's to, to them and their family to make sure they have all the information they can make a great decision. Like I want to use all of my resources to make sure that they have all the information so that they can make an informed, educated decision. And so, and that's grown over the years. And so now it's, it's, it's getting them on the phone with connections that we have at the next level to give, give them information. Obviously we can turn in an evaluation, there's some restrictions on what the NFL can do with underclassmen, but I'm just telling you, we find a way to get them uh, real pertinent information from people in, in the league about what they're thought of so that they can make a good decision because the, you know, the agents out there obviously stand to gain from, from them turning pro. And I try to cut myself out of that and say, listen, my responsibility is, especially now that these are guys that I've, I've recruited is to you and your family. And that was the, that was the um, commitment I made to you when we recruited you. And it's a commitment I still have. I'm going to support you in whatever your decision is, whether it's to stay or go. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do. If you ask me, I still might not. Okay. But I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you can see the light so that you can make an informed uh, decision. So before the NFL and before Lane Stadium and before Enter Salmon and all of that, it starts with the recruiting process, recruiting philosophy, let's call it. You and your staff have recruited kids from Europe, Australia, my current home state of California, Texas, Pretty much anywhere that you can imagine, we have players from that place. So as a native Oklahoman, is that, is that correct? Is that how you say it? Sure. <laughs> if you're how from California. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Fine. 
Fine. How do you sell the town of Blacksburg and Virginia Tech to recruits? Well, it's an easy sell. You know, the, the trick is getting them here. You know, I, COVID aside, you know, when we can get people to come here and see this place um, on multiple occasions, you know, with multi, uh, for multiple events, then then we have a pretty high success rate. And, um, you know, it starts with relationships. Do facilities play uh, a role in it? Absolutely. Perception play a role in it? Absolutely. But for our kind of people, and I, I think that's what I'm most proud of is the types of families that, that we're getting in front of now, just quality people. You know, we're, we've, we've been a really good football program for a, a long time, and our mission is to go from good to great. And we're going to do that with talent and character. And that's what we're looking for is guys that, that have enough talent but have high character. doesn't mean they're never going to make a mistake. But guys that understand what we're trying to do for them in their time here. And um, when you start talking about your quality of life, um, how important football is here, you know, that's important to these kids. Um, you know, the, the crowds you're going to play in front of, the coaching you're going to get, the development you're going to get as an entire person, um, and what your life's going to be like on a daily basis here in Blacksburg, Virginia. If we can get them here on multiple time, multiple occasions, then um, it, it, usually, it usually speaks for itself. And I know uh, we've said this on the podcast multiple times, sons of compliance, not allowed to talk about recruits currently being brought to Virginia Tech. So I'll do it for you. They're all fantastic, and they have been a ton of fun to talk with uh, from a character standpoint and a charisma standpoint. So I know we're all really, really excited about what's going on in that department. Um, and then kind of going back to your roots still here, who were some of your biggest mentors when you first entered the ranks of coaching uh, at the collegiate level? And uh, what was some of the great advice that you have gotten along the way? Well, I mean, I would always say that my dad's had a huge influence on my life. And whether that's coaching or you know, how to live, live my life or, you know, the difference between right and wrong or uh, what it truly means to be a competitor, how competitors actually act versus what you, what my perception as a young, young kid was to what a competitor was, so on and so forth. Somebody I talk to all the time now, um, he's often now just, I, I just bend his ear um, you know, mostly about all the things that are going on in the world, whether that's with the NCAA or, or our football team or so on and so forth. But, you know, my mom and dad, I've, I had a great upbringing. My sister was into sports. She's a math teacher in Tulsa. Uh, you know, I talked to her a lot. My wife has been a huge influence on me. She was a coach too, you know, a, a division one volleyball player and, and was, was coaching at Illinois state when, when we got uh, married. But uh, as far as coaches, you know, it, it's pretty easy. I had an awesome high school coach, Bill Blankenship. He went on to be the head coach at the University of Tulsa. He's now a, a high school coach at Owasso, which is just outside of Tulsa. Somebody I have a continuing relationship with. He's just um, had a huge influence on me as, a, uh, you know, as he was my coach. I got to coach with him for a year at Memphis. was something I'll, I'll never forget. Um, you know, then when I went to college, I played for this guy named Dick Winder. And this guy is like a, a cartoon character. Dick, coach Winder has passed away now. But he was the, the, just the opposite of Coach Blankenship. Coach Blankenship was polished, laid back, um, you know, kind of a cerebral, methodical person. Coach Winder was an old, mean, 
kind of leather-faced comic book character from West Texas that was the meanest, toughest guy you've ever met in your life. And I would have jumped in front of a train for both of them, you know, and and they were both completely on different uh, ends of the spectrum in terms of how they coach and how they got the most out of their, out of their players. Dick gave me my, my coach Winder gave me my great break at TCU. Ultimately Gary Patterson offered me the job, but I've been at Illinois state for six years in, in one double a football. And I got a phone call from coach Winder who was on staff with, with coach Patterson. And he said, I'm going to retire and I'm going to ask coach Patterson to, to hire you to come in here. That was kind of my, my break. Gary Patterson has had a huge influence on my life from an organizational standpoint, how he organized his weeks and his months and his years and practice schedule. And uh, the off season program Colorado circuit has taken from, from coach Patterson and what they do there. I have changed some things that, that we do with it, but the drills and everything are, are directly from there. Uh, he's been a, been a huge influence on me as, as, as I've gone on to become a head coach. So going from a coordinator position to a head coach, how important was the hire of Coach Cornelson, and how do you two complement one another? Well, the, big, the biggest thing is I wrestled with, with what my role was going to be on the offensive side of the ball when I became a head coach. And in my mind, when I took over at Memphis, when we took over at Memphis, we were bad. And I knew we weren't going to be very good for some time. So in my mind, publicly, I was just going to say, I'm doing it. My way I could shelter the other coordinator because I knew we weren't going to be very good anyway. And then when we got good, I could kind of back my way out of it and let um, either Coach Cornelson at the time, it was Daryl Dickey, who was at Texas A&M, Coach Dickey kind of slide in there. Well, we got good, and I didn't really want to give it up. Like, I really enjoyed – you know, I kind of felt like I do now about our football team. We'd been through the weeds, and we were ready to have some success, and that's kind of how we were there. And I, it was kind of hard on me, but I really, I really began to, to really understand there heading into my last year at Memphis that in order for me to do everything that I want to do, I think we're better off if I'm not calling the plays. I still want to be involved, but we are better off, and, and we are. And we, we were then, and we are now. Uh, just the minutia uh, that must be combed through on a weekly basis in order to prepare yourself. When I drive home on Wednesday, and I'm the play caller, I'm thinking about third and three, okay? When I drive home at, on Wednesday um, of game week as the head coach, I'm thinking about who missed study hall. And in order to, to put as much time and effort as I needed to put into it, there's no way I could continue to do it. So um, Brad is much more thorough. Um, I do still have a role, I think, to play on the offense in terms of um, a little bit what we talked about earlier in terms of um, toughness and discipline and, and those sorts of things. But and there is some element of the X's and O's that I still enjoy. Um, but, you know, he just can see the big picture. He's incredible at putting the quarterbacks in position to have success. Um, you know, he thinks about players in terms of making sure they, they're, they're touching the, the football. And as we continue to get more players, that's going to continue to look better and better. 
So in, in talking relationships, Billy interviewed Coach Kenny Brooks a few weeks ago, and he had mentioned that you share a bond, uh, both being coaches growing programs, but also being hashtag girl dads. I'm curious to know who are some of the other folks uh, over in Merriman and Jamerson that you've gotten close with uh, over the years? Well, under normal times, I tend to see the women's coaches more than the men's coaches just because of my girls going to camps. You know, whether it's the volleyball camp, obviously volleyball's big in this house just with Jenny and, and the girls I think are getting into it. Um, obviously, we, we lost – you know, Jill left. We had a really good, good relationship and then COVID hit. So I haven't, I haven't been around the volleyball program as much as I usually do. Um, uh, you know, Kenny, because of obviously women's basketball and it's easier for me to slide into the women's basketball games. So I usually take the girls, um, whenever we kind of hit that point in the schedule when they're playing and we're not on the road and, you know, whenever that is, um, they play on Sunday, so it's easy for us to slide over and watch watch the the women play. But but you know, Chugger Adair is my hero, okay? Because that guy is so laid back; nothing gets to him ever. <laughs> like he's got, um, you know, he's got his kids running around, and you know, he's like I see him at the swimming pool. He's got that California just kind of laid back, and he's throwing the ball. The kids jumping off the board, and he just so cool and laid back and we have a really good relationship. He's kind of fun. He's a fun guy to be around as well. California Steez. <laughs> no doubt. As, as a collective coach, one of our favorite moments from last year was watching you embrace your wife and your three daughters after the six overtime win against UNC. What impact has football and your time in Blacksburg had on your family? Oh man. You know, uh, you know, we, we spend a lot of time with football, but, um, you know, they, they get to, sh you know, nothing, sharing it is the fun part, you know, like that's what's really fun. And, and whether that's sharing it with your team or sharing it with your family and, and, you know, we work a lot and all that kind of stuff, but in, and these girls in my house, they sacrifice a lot, but, um, when we get to share those moments and when we get, we get to share football together, like you should, my, my oldest can talk football now. I mean, when we come in on Sundays um, and we watch as a staff, um, we have an AAR, an after action review on Sunday morning. So as a staff, we watch the whole game. We watch special teams, offense, defense with everybody in there. And um, Jenny oftentimes will take the girls to church and then bring Cecilia to sit in the back of the room and watch the last half of the game. And um, they like sports. And I, I don't ever want to pressure them to play sports, but I hope they get some enjoyment out of it because it's given me a lot of enjoyment in my life. You know, whether it was playing Little League Baseball or, or playing summer basketball or whatever it is. And um, I hope that they get some enjoyment out of, out of football. And, you know, the cool thing for us is, you know, we, we're lucky and we, you know, where we live here in Blacksburg, we're outside all the time. We, we get to spend a little bit more time. I say this, and I, I hate this term, but I'm able to steal a little bit more time with the girls because of Blacksburg. And um, I really relish that. And, you know, I hope when they, they get older, they look back and hope they're proud that they're a coach's dad. I hope they, you know, they're going to have to have thick skin as they get older. And they know that. And I've talked to the older one about it. And that's part of growing up. You need to be tough, too. 
And um, so I don't know. I've enjoyed – I love having them around it, uh, around our players, around around football. I think it's healthy. I think sports have done so many good things for so many people. I hope they, they find some enjoyment in it. I don't know. I kind of got off topic there, but you got me talking about sports and the girls. And everything. Not at all. That was That was an incredible response. One of the things that Hokie Nation absolutely loved uh, over the last couple months of quarantine and got a great response was Fuente Fridays. And uh, a little peek into the life of Coach Fu, a little access on Twitter. Was this a flash in the pan, or can we expect to see more things like that in the future? Well, I can tell you we're not going to do it during the season, okay? But I knew that was and I'll take Yeah, but um, – like, I, I enjoyed that. Um, now, what's happened is the weather's gotten warmer. And um, so on at night, you know, we've just been more active outside. So, like, we've been fishing and, um, you know, playing a little bit of golf. And it's like in the evening times when I'm home, we're, we're outside until it's time to put the girls down to go to bed and, and get up the next day. So I haven't been up with, you know, the, the – the phone sitting there very much here lately because the weather's just gotten warmer and I've, I've been outside more. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It wasn't like really planned out. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't something I really was doing for attention. It started with the Diablo account and there, there was something and I, and I, I can't remember what it was, but like divine, like all the coaches know divine's the teacher's pet. Like he's my, one of my favorite people on the planet. And so I just thought, I thought, I want, to ret- I want to return this to this person and say, everybody knows Diablo's a teacher's pet. And then I left and then came back and I checked it and there was a couple more things. I was like, well, let's go ahead. So I kind of just kind of went from there. But um, I don't know. I, I'm not saying we'll never do it again. I just, you know, I'm not going to be on there every night. But um, I think the, the, whole, the whole social media deal, that's another story. I mean. You, t- you know, I don't know if you guys have seen the Garth Brooks um, documentary on Netflix. And, and Garth Brooks can be a little over the top, like, at times when he talks about things. But, you know, he, he does this deal like this. Like, what is it? Like, like this. Like, for every good, there's a bad, right? And yep. he's talking about something. And, you know, that's how I feel about that social media. You know, like, it, there, is, there is a lot of good, you know, connectivity ability to keep up, you know, I'd sometimes, you know, get news and that kind of stuff, but there's a lot of bad that comes with it too, boy. Ooh, I think, I think we can learn something here. The weather's nice outside. Go outside, go fish, go hunt, go splash around. Like why, what, what's up with the phones? Put the phones down for a little bit. What are we doing? Dude, I, I know I'm all in. Like you used to be able to drive down the street and see people playing outside all the time. And it just doesn't, doesn't happen as much anymore. I don't know if you guys can see this. I don't know if you can oh, make it goodness. out. So that's that's big, my that's oldest. That's a big large mouth wow. Yeah, that's that's at the country club over here, on the little bitty pond. She caught that all by herself, man. So wow. that's what Dang. we were doing instead of sitting around tweeting. So let's go. <laughs> Love that. So we ask we ask our guests about their pregame routine. This is the last question before we get into letters from the lunch pail. I'm curious: is are you superstitious? Do you have a playlist you listen to? What is like your your pregame your pregame routine here? Well, if you mean superstitious, but I do the exact same thing every single time, then yes. Um, But like, I don't listen to music, but, um, you know, I kind of have this routine with pregame meal and, um, 
and I, it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's just that we've, we've had the same schedule in yep. terms of pregame lead up um, f- for my five years at TCU, four years at Memphis and four years going on five years here. So we've done the exact same thing, like the, the walkthroughs and all that sort of stuff. So I've been in that routine so much that, that I really do the same things. Like, well, I don't know if people know this, but when we finish Hokey Walk, I walk into my office and I change my clothes as fast as I can. And, and they just start bringing me recruits. So for that whole time, we sit in there, they're just, they're bringing recruits. And then the officials come in and we, I talk to the officials briefly, probably takes two minutes and then they leave. And then at that time, boom, I go downstairs and that's about time for me to walk out onto the field. Cause we're about time for team stretch and all that sort of stuff. So it goes pretty quickly, but like, it's, as soon as we finish that hokey walk, man, it's like get your tie off and get your clothes on because people yep. are coming in uh, really quickly. So I don't have like an awesome – I only wear one pair of socks or <laughs> always put a, you know, half dollar in my left pocket or anything really cool like that. So this next section is letters from the lunch pail. These are write-ins. Uh, this section is brought to you by Sharkies. Check out their glasses. You'd like the glasses. They're new. They got the logo on them. Check them out. And the first question is from Isaiah Ford, and he wants to know – uh, is he still considered your elf on the shelf during Christmas time? He is still like the, the name has not changed. So the people that don't know, um, we have elf on the shelf here. My girls are still in that age bracket, if you know what I mean. And um, when we first got here, um, we had our, I don't know if we had a new elf on the shelf cause we moved or whatever it was, but, it was time to name our, our elf on the shelf, and the girls decided that, obviously, in 2016, the elf on the shelf should be named Isaiah Ford. And it stayed Isaiah Ford uh, for this entire time. Isaiah is still the, the favorite son around here. So I don't know if that's a compliment, Isaiah, or not, like to, be, to have the elf on the shelf named after you, but I know, uh, I know your name and you catching touchdowns was definitely on my girls' minds around Christmas time in 2016. I think it's a positive. I think it's a positive. So this next question comes from uh, Dr. John Cranham. He says, Coach, you were incredibly generous to allow my son and our family peek behind the veil of Virginia Tech football back in 2017. And it changed how I perceived the players, the team, and the coaches, just making everything more human. As a head coach, with all the expectations of this crazy fan base, how do you deal with the outside noise that comes with varying outcomes? It has to be really tough. John, Kim, Cornell, Caitlin, and Kristen Cranham. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you deal with anything? You know, like, I, I, can't, I can't let – we have to stay true to ourselves. Did, who would rather have somebody say something nice – or say something bad. Everybody would choose a pat on the back, right? We all yep. want that. Okay. We all, we all want that more than, than the other stuff, but you know, nobody comes up to me and says anything. It's not like I'm walking down the street and people you know it's like, you know, you got the, the social media part of it and you know, I get it. Like I don't, you know, unfortunately people don't know, like if you're not on the inside, you don't know what's going on. I'm always going to defend uh, the players. I'm never going to like, we're not, People ask questions. I'm going to do my best to be as honest as, that I possibly can. 
given the circumstances or about what's going on. And we're going to do the very best that we can. So, I mean, I don't, that doesn't, it's not something we get caught up in. You know, if you, if you are the type of person that sits there and scrolls through that stuff and does whatever, then, you know, it's going to be really tough on you. Um, it's not that you never hear any of it. That's not true. Anybody that says they never hear it, they're fibbing as well. But you, what you can't do is get in a situation where it starts to cloud your judgment. You know, what you can't do is where it starts to alter uh, you making decisions or for, for what's best for the team. And, you know, that's keeping it all in perspective and understanding that's just part of the deal. Now, it has increased. I'm, I'm talking about me. I'm just talking about generally. Like, get a sporting event on and – pick the losing team and pick a, a player or a coach for the losing team and, and search them on Twitter. I mean, it's just, it's really a lot. And, you know, that's gotten a lot worse in the last few years, in my opinion, people say or do about anything on there, but you know, that's them, you know, like I'm not going to let them bother me. This letter from the lunch pail comes from Jay Glock, Jonathan McLaughlin. He says, coach, well, he says, ask him who was his favorite senior class in the last four seasons. Well, I mean, the 2016 <laughs> class, obviously. I'm not going to tell Jonathan McLaughlin anything other than that. I can promise you that. <laughs> that was a great group of kids. I mean, that was an awesome group now. I mean, you talk about a group of guys. They remind me of the group that we have now, you know, in terms of you know, that they had struggled a little bit, you know, and they hadn't had as as much success as they wanted. They probably – they'd had some highs, though, won some big games, but hadn't been as consistent maybe, I guess you could say, as, as they wanted. But they were hungry to have success. I know that. That 2016 was, was hungry to have success. And we, we, we just put up there the, the first team meeting to draw the line. I said, this is the record at Virginia Tech. You know, the previous, whatever it was, 15 years, this is a record the last couple of years. It's time for us to draw the line and get it right back to where it was. And that, those guys accepted that, I thought, you know, and said, let's go do something about it. So that was a, that was a great group. And they remind me a lot, um, not just the senior class, but just that group in general of, of what we got right now. This one actually comes from my old man, Kevin Finn. He says, I have a comment. Coach, love the focus on the Garden State. Hashtag NJ to VT. Keep it going. Question, have you ever had a player who can eat as much as Billy Ray Mitchell? If so, who is in your top five? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody, if I got anybody that eats as much, but eats as much and talks about it as Billy Ray Mitchell. <laughs> That's probably no, right? Like, oh my um, whether one time it's skinny Billy, the next time it is, here's a picture of me eating a whole pizza. Like he's kind of <laughs> back and forth all over the place when it comes, when it comes to all that kind of stuff. But that's the thing about Bill, man. He can talk. He that's, he's got talent. I, I believe to, that. I'm trying to keep people in the loop. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> I know the, the best way, the best way that, uh, that coach Hilgart voiced it is I went down and I'm in the strength and I'm like, coach, like, what's the deal? You used to follow me on Twitter. Now you don't follow me on Twitter. He's like, look, quality over quantity. If you had like a, if I could do like a, a Patreon and get like one sixth of your tweets and all the top ones, I'm all in, I'm subscribed. But as long as you're tweeting about like everything happening in the Sopranos and you know, what kind of pepper flakes your dad put on top of his gumbo this afternoon. Like I can't, I just can't, I can't handle it. I can't. Yeah. You're, you're a volume shooter. That's you're true. A volume shooter. That's yeah. true. 
That's true. <laughs> if I got something to say, I'm going to say it. Um, this one comes from Sam Rogers. He was curious to know if he remembers that you told him when you arrived at Virginia Tech that he would never throw a pass. He also wants to know if you remember that he did throw a touchdown pass against Miami. I don't remember telling him he would never throw a pass. I, I will say this. I do remember him throwing a touchdown pass <laughs> in the Miami game. I remember it very well. That was a, a hell of a play, too. But I don't really remember telling him he'll never throw one. I, I probably did see him throw the ball a little bit in practice and had some smart remarks for him. <laughs> I don't remember. I can't be held accountable for directly exactly what they were. May have been something along the lines of, of that, but I, I can't be quoted. And speaking of players, John Earl submits this question. What players have impacted you the most in your time at Virginia Tech and or players that you stay in touch with? Oh, man. I, I just – like, I, to me, the cool thing is this. It's like seeing the kids go on and have success in the next endeavor is really cool. Like, this, this right here is really cool for me. Okay, like – you guys say thank you for me coming on here, but I say this is cool for me to get to see Billy doing what he likes to do. And, um, you know, to me, there's so many good kids and so many good players that come through the years and like keeping track and seeing what they're doing now. And, you know, they you measure coaches by wins and losses, but I think it's how many of your former players do you still have some relationship with or some contact with? And how many of your guys – I just got a kid – he's not a kid anymore, but he just had his first baby boy. You know, he's had a couple girls in a row and he sent me a picture of it. And, you know, that's a guy that I coached several years ago. To me, that's the cool part of this. That's the rewards that keep on, keep on giving. You know, I got into coaching because I couldn't play anymore. Right. So I, I got, I got, I went to the NFL combine, didn't get signed. I knocked around for a year playing arena ball or whatever. And then I got a call from the New York giants. I went up to New York. And Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator. And I had a great workout, unbelievable workout. And then they handed me a plane ticket home and said, see ya. So I'm, I'm riding in the bus on the way to the airport. And Zappin Rogers, I want to be your man, is playing. And I, I, I remember the song that was playing when I realized I'm no longer a player. Like, I, I can just remember like it was yesterday. Like, I'm done. Like, they didn't sign me. I'm not going to play. And I got into coaching because of that. But I realized really quickly that that's the wrong reason to get into coaching. Okay. Now, lucky for me, I figured it out quickly. Coaching is about helping other people do something that they never thought they could do before. Okay. And when you get that, you get a profession that gives you that, gives you that good feeling on the inside, you'll never let it go. And, you know, helping people or pushing people and sometimes telling people something that they don't want to hear in order to make them better because you're a little bit older and you have some perspective, I think is, a, is an awesome job. And when you get to see those people move on and go do those things and have success and take pride in their job or take pride in their relationships or whatever it is, you can't put a price tag on that. And you can't put one name on it either. I mean, there are just so many good kids that have come from all kinds of different backgrounds that have gone on to have success. It's just, it's really fulfilling occupation. And I was talking to Coach Hilgard about this. And I appreciate, I appreciate that a, a ton. Um, a lot of the successes or the uh, way that me and some of my other former teammates are able to see are because of the qualities and the habits instilled 
in your program, in Coach Beamer's program, that you can apply to life in general. And that's why football is such a fantastic game and a fantastic teacher for everything that you do, showing up on time, pushing yourself to be the absolute best. And the truth of the matter is not everybody is going to be a four-year start at Virginia Tech. Not everybody's going to be a, you know, all-pro NFL player or a first-round draft pick. That's what everybody wants to do. But at the end of the day, you have an opportunity. Just speaking of Virginia Tech, I can't speak to another university, but you have an opportunity to go to one of the best universities in the world with incredible people um, and just really discover who you are and develop yourself as a player and an athlete and uh, as a person as well and set yourself up for the rest of your life. And, you know, that's why I always say going to Virginia Tech was the best thing that I've ever done was just coming out, how much I changed over those four years from the sum of all of those experiences and the Colorados and the runs and the, you know, student athlete development and everything that goes into it. So I can't thank you and everybody involved with the athletic department enough for teeing up the ability to be successful post football. So thank you. Well, like graduation should be the minimum thing you take. Absolutely. Right. You should take your degree. Absolutely. Everyone should aspire to do that, but that's only one part of what you should take from this experience of what we should try and impart on our young people in terms of, I really want you to stand in line with 30 other people that didn't have the experience that you had and know that you are more team oriented, more disciplined, willing to work harder than those other people. Cause it's a competitive world out there too now. And you know, the, the degree is, is just one part of the entire experience that the young people should take with them as they, as they move off into the world. Well, that's no, you know, not to go down this wormhole, but when I had my first job and I showed up to my first job, I, I was a referral from somebody uh, that, you know, is a good family friend. And I, rem I remember this like it was yesterday. I walk in and the person goes, oh, you're, you're the ref referral that played football player. You're the football guy. I was like, yeah, I'm the football guy. Like, and, it, and I kind of used it and you've used this terminology before. I mind tricked myself into like, okay, this guy, this, this person must think I'm an idiot. So, but then it does instill all of those things for you to be successful. And that's what it comes down to. It's not just somebody who shows up and runs into each other day after day. It's all of the habits. And you know, we just talked about it. It's what, it's what gears yeah. you up to succeed at that next level. So that's hundred, that's hundred percent correct. It's more than just checking the box of, Hey, here's my piece of paper mission accomplished. It's putting everything that you've learned to, to good use. Moving forward with the letters from the lunch pail, we have one from Tyler Grossburn. Yes, Coach, Notre Dame 2016, was the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty intentional to get the guys going after that false start call by Wyatt? Hashtag um, best friend gang. Yeah, so revisionist history would say, yeah, sure, certainly. That's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> you know, in reality, um, you know what I was thinking too is like maybe this year we'll have masks on. And it'll be harder to read lips, right? So, like, usually after a game like that, I get a text from my sister that's like, mom is so disappointed in you, you know, or whatever. But, no, I was I was thinking, you know, if we have masks, maybe you won't be able to, to read uh, coach's lips. But um, that wasn't – I was very upset, yes. And I was very upset at the response and the tone of the response that I got. That's what really – set me off. Um, I would love to just say it was this master plan that I was, you know, we can say that if you want, but it's probably not true. It was really like that like, really set me off because I thought the call was terrible 
And then the way he kind of responded to me was, um, was what really set me off. So to piggyback off of Tyler's question, this is, this is a question for me. How do you normally maintain your cool, calm, and collected demeanor that Hokie Nation has grown so accustomed to? I don't know. It's hard. You know, I, 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 I do have a temper, and I have hurt my team in my early years as a head coach with that temper. And I have worked very hard to try my best to keep that um, under wraps because I do think I hurt my team early in my coaching career a few times, not every game, but a few times I think I hurt them. And um, so I, I don't know. Like I, I've just tried my best to make it like a test. We are trying to take a test, and there's going to be questions coming through that headset on, on all, in all three phases of the game that you have to have a clear mind to do your best to answer. And um, I, I don't think my best when there's foam coming out of my mouth. You know, like I'm not – some people do, but that's not me. Like for me to be the best and in control and try to make the best educated decisions, I have to truly try to focus too. Because I'm actually a fairly emotional, easily excitable person. I'm sure some people roll their eyes at that, but I'm just telling you it's true. It's just, I, I really feel like in that setting, it's really important that I try to keep those things under wraps so that I can make good decisions. So one last question from all of us before we move into the rapid fire, which will be the last segment of this podcast. What are you most excited about this season? Is there a particular unit that has really been shining this off season that you're fired up about? Um, well... There's a lot that I'm excited about. Um, when I watch our offensive line workout, um, it's hard not to to get pretty excited. I mean, that's a group that's got a chance to be pretty special, in my opinion. And and I don't mean that. You know, I, I like our additions at running back. I like um, you know, I like our new D line coaches, and our new, our D line's another year older and virtually everybody's back and linebackers and all that kind of stuff. But the the offensive line, I felt like as the year went on, gained a little confidence last year. And, you know, Kentucky, they hadn't given up that many points in like the last 30 games. And they were stoning people at the line of scrimmage now. And, um, I thought our offensive line played pretty well in that game against a really good, big, physical defensive front. And I hope that we can keep that momentum moving forward. And they're in the middle of having a really good offseason. Those freshmen look don't look like freshmen anymore. And, and then we've got some guys with some experience on them. So I'm pretty excited about that group. So the rapid fire here segment brought to you by the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. If you are in the Chesapeake area on the recruiting trail, Coach Fuente, you got to get a teeth cleaning. You might want to go in, get your teeth bleached. I don't know. Go in there, check out Dr. John Cranham, Dr. Caitlin Cranham, and he will help you out. Uh, they do everything from teeth cleaning to reconstructive surgery of the mouth. So big time. We love Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Favorite family activity in Blacksburg? Oh, for us, we're we are uh, we're we're centered around three activities. Well, four, I guess you could say. We are 
um, either grilling out and playing outside. We are swimming in the swimming pool. We are fishing in the pond. Or we're playing a couple holes in the evening time of golf. That's us. I mean, when we're home, especially with all the girls and the stuff that there has been canceled for them in the summertime and the evening time, we're, we're, doing, we're doing one of those things every night. Love that. So this question is for John Cranham. Are you an ocean or are you a lake guy? Um, I'm a lake guy all day long. Smith Why? Mountain Lake's one of the prettiest lakes I've ever been on. Um, now, obviously, I grew up in Oklahoma, which is a long ways away from the ocean. But um, I have grown to appreciate the ocean more living, you know, on the East Coast now. But at my heart, I'm a lake, lake guy. So – I live out in Los Angeles, Coach, and I've heard that through the grapevine, you're a fan of the film The Dark Knight. In your opinion, why is it one of the greatest films ever made? The Joker. That was the first movie you ever put. I remember you had the the uh, you had the team over for dinner, and it's Mission Barbecue is a sta- is a staple. I mean, I I don't know how much Mission Barbecue you eat, but it's got to be it's got to be a ton. And that was the first movie that you put on in, uh, I think we watched like 30 minutes of the, of the, of the movie. Yeah. The opening scene's awesome, but like um, the, the Joker was incredible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you, you enter that movie and you think about the people that have played the Joker and you think about the old ones and all that sort of stuff and what's the new interpretation um, of it going to be. And then, you know, he takes the screen and it's, it's that – and then it's the, the fact it's like a big social experiment. You know, the whole movie is based around the, this social experiment to see what the public will do and can they turn each other against each other. And then you've got, you got superhero toys, which are <laughs> awesome, right? Thrill. Thrill. So, I don't know, it's a pretty good, pretty good flick. <laughs> Love that. You get to go to a Dave Matthews concert. What are the three songs that you hope he plays? So COVID, like, I was going to take the girls, the, my oldest two, for their first Dave concert this summer. So they're crushed. Um, but um, so my three songs, I mean, Gray Street is what I'm coming with. Yes. Off the top. Um, I mean, this is not a Dave song, but the, the first time I saw him live, when I saw him play uh, Watchtower, Mm-hmm. Um, it's on the practice playlist yeah that was like like I was ready to quit college and just go follow the band you know like <laughs> a, a moving experience for me um, third third song um, I would probably you know I think Crush Live is pretty cool mm-hmm. you know like I'm into the the length you know, and when they get out there and jam, and they usually jam pretty good on that. So that's probably three I'd go through off the top of my head. I was going to say, Grace Street is definitely my favorite. We were kicking around uh, or messing with Billy because Billy's been calling Dave Matthews David Matthews, like, for the entirety of the time I've known him. It's like, dude, it's Dave. <laughs> <laughs> not like a, because you – you're not in Billy or what? I, it's not that I'm not in. There are two things. I have a coworker who's been to like 50 Dave, Ma- Dave, David Matthews concerts. And I don't know. Like I like them. Like I like all along the watchtower, but I feel like you either absolutely adore this human being or like, you're like, eh, and I haven't listened to enough of them to make my opinion. I do know that my brother 
is all the way out on Dave Matthews because he can't get over the fact that he just covered all on the watchtower. He's not able to say, hey, his all on the watchtower is great and Jimi Hendrix all on the watchtower is great. He's not able to appreciate both. It's like an Atlantic City thing with Bruce Springsteen. I'm obviously going to listen to Levon Helm one, but I admire Bruce Springsteen's. So he's incapable of doing that for some reason. Funniest guy on the team that you can joke around with? Funniest player? Well, I think Dax is, is, doesn't get enough credit for because he's kind of outlandish. You know what I mean? He's not really silly. He's just Dax 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, like what you see is him every day, all the time, which I think is pretty cool, kind of admirable about him, uh, which I find him, I find him um, kind of funny when it comes to that kind of stuff. Favorite vacation spot? Well, I, I in the wintertime, I'll, I'll take a, a ski trip to, um, to Colorado any day. Like, um, the girls have gotten into it, and I had never been till about three or four years ago. It's the first I'd ever been in my entire life, snow skiing. Um, so, you know, Beaver Creek, Colorado, I take that in the winter. In the summertime, I'll take, I'll take Smith Mountain Lake over any place in the country. One of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans, and Coach Yost's daughter uh, is very passionate about football. Which Fuente daughter gets the most fired up in the stands? That's Cecilia. That's my oldest all day long. Like, I've come home and – and, and gotten the, you need to have a talk with your daughter. <laughs> and I said, what? Like about her behavior, about what she said to the refs, about what she's said to the other team. Like she is into what's going on. And so um, we, we had to have a little bit of an educational session with her, but she is, the youngest is Barbies and like she's, she's not, I'm hopeful that as she gets a little bit older, she'll get more into it. And the middle one is getting into it, but Cecilia is all in. Fun fact about the Coachio's daughter from Remember the Titans. She was actually a Hokie. Don't know if y'all really? knew that or not, but she was a Hokie and she actually did go to Virginia Tech. She went to Virginia Tech. She did indeed. Last couple here for you, Coach. Uh, and this one, look, at everybody that is on your roster currently – Settle the LeBron, Kobe, Jordan thing for me. Because oh. I know we ask every recruit, we ask everyone that comes on. I just, I, I want you to, I want you to just death punch this, um, wrap it up. It's MJ all day. I mean, I don't even understand how there's a discussion. You're what are we doing? Team, and you have to win a game. You have to win a game. Who are you taking? Like the most competitive, most talented player that ever walked? Thank you. Now, LeBron is the best athlete I've ever seen. And I tell her guys that all the time. Like, he's the biggest, strongest, fastest person I've ever seen in my life. But, like, you're going to go start a team and you want a dude that's going to lead and compete and maybe not always be nice, but you want to win? What are we talking about? And you know what? Every one of the guys that you're coaching and is telling you that's LeBron better, I'd love to know how many games they've gone back and watched of Michael Jordan from beginning to end. What are we doing? They don't but, you know, that. like, it's fun because I like to incorporate that into our meetings occasionally just to make sure <laughs> they're paying attention, you know. But um, I have a lot of respect for – and obviously Kobe is, like, very similar to Michael in my opinion. But 
Um, and I may be biased. I don't know. Like I may have grown up during the heyday of um, Michael Jordan and the Bulls and all that sort of stuff. But um, I just competitor, like night in, night out, like run your team. And that guy was un unreal. What is your favorite television show? And I think you're going to go with Game of Thrones, which I've granted, I've tried to do it twice and I've watched the beginning. The Dunces and Dragons just, just don't do it for me. I'm doing The Sopranos now. Breaking Bad is great. I'm curious. Are you going to go with Game of Thrones? Am I missing something? Okay. So, like, it's hard for me to say that that's my favorite because of the ending. Like, the, the, the last season was rough. Really rough on the okay. Game of Thrones fans. Okay. The rest of it was awesome. Okay. But Breaking Bad's fantastic too, by the way. Um, like right now, I'm going with Yellowstone and Ozark. Like Ozark. Both of those two, and they're kind of similar in some way, but um, I'm going with those TV shows as, as the best going right now. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched Hamilton. Have you guys seen it? I have Hamilton? not. I have not. It's on the list. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah. we, like I will listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack? It's, a, it's incredible. It's That's incredible. Disney Plus, right? Disney Plus. It's awesome. Okay. I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to get on that. It's like, how I was blown away. Okay. I'll give Hamilton, I'll give Hamilton a watch. I'm going to have to re-up my Disney Plus. I've been trying to, to, to save my coins, but if you're, if you're touting about it that much, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. Really good. Okay. And last one that we have for you for rapid fire before we uh, wrap it up, who is the best Virginia tech football coach on the golf course and who is the worst? Um, the worst to my knowledge, uh, what I've seen with my own eyes, we got a couple new guys that I haven't seen play. Uh, Vance vice is terrible. Um, <laughs> You can imagine what that looks like. He, he plays with a five iron and a putter. Um, he carries it like a club. Um, you know, play, plays in cutoff jean shorts and a tank top. You can imagine. Yeah. John uh, Daly. Yeah. Um, best golfer on this staff currently. Um, you know, Brad's pretty decent. Um, we are not a very good golfing staff. I might be the best, I might be the best golfer on the staff, which is not saying a lot, you know, like I'm not exceptional. I'm okay. But, um, Cornelson's pretty decent. She best loves to play, but he can't hit it very far. He's got a great <laughs> short game. Um, you know, some of the, other, I haven't seen Jay Ham is, is falling in love with it and he's horrible right now. <laughs> He might Only be one way to miles. go. Only one be. way to go is up. That's right. Now that his pinky's straightened out, he can actually hold. Oh man, up. that was that. The pinky was uh, that was a hot topic on the on the interwebs a couple of yeah, months. Yeah, that was a, a bad pinky. Yeah. That was so bad. he got it fixed. He got what? He got it surgically yeah, repaired. He got it fixed. He got it like fused. Wow. So it's at least straight. Like he can't bend it at one of these joints in here. I'm not sure which one, but but yeah, that he it was a pretty pretty big. So it was a pretty bad pinky. That thing was. It got to be where he couldn't like, he couldn't shake hands with people. If somebody hit it like. It, oh, we saw the picture. Yeah, he had it all up in his uh, in his khaki shorts. It yeah. wasn't wasn't a great look. Glad we got that. Glad we got that fixed. Yeah. Um, uh, so, coach, at the end, we give you the opportunity for shout outs. Any we 
cannot thank you enough for your time this afternoon uh, coming up here on five o'clock on your Sunday. I really appreciate it, but wanted to give you the opportunity to shout out whatever you have going on. If you're new to TikTok, I know a lot of your players like TikTok. If you've gone on TikTok, what's, uh, what do you have to shout out here? Yeah, I don't know much about TikTok. Um, I don't, I don't, my, my shout out consists of, I'm really hoping that we can find a really safe way to get to play football this fall. We have a group of kids in our locker room that, that really want the opportunity to play. I understand all the things that go with it. And I feel like, you know, we, you know, we could have a chance to be a sense of, of, of unity in this time if, if we do get to play. And I hope we do um, only obviously if it's safe, but, you know, to everybody out there, I would just, you know, now I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but I'm going to say, like, let's let's do a great job listening to others. You know, I think sometimes we lose that in, in today's day and age that, um, you know, we're going to tell people what they need to think. And I think it's important that we have healthy dialogue back and forth about about issues that we're facing and solutions that we need to we need to try and come to. So. Um, I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope everybody's doing their best to protect themselves and their family and their loved ones. And hopefully we can work together to get this thing over with, not just for football, but, but for all of us. Coach, can't thank you enough for this time this afternoon. Got love for you. Looking forward to this football season. And uh, hopefully we can do this again. Thank you so much. No problem, man. Have a good one. <laughs> See y'all.